Hello and welcome to Elixir Talk, the podcast where we discuss your questions about Elixir application design and the state of the ecosystem, and we frequently make mistakes. My name is Desmond Bowie, and I'm here with Chris Bell. I am the king of the mistakes, I think. Does that make me the queen of mistakes? I don't know. I think we're, we're as bad as each other, to be honest. <laughs> I, uh, usually what happens is we publish an episode, I come into work the next day, and someone tells me how I was wrong. It's great. That's the thing I love to hear. <laughs> Maybe this is their chance to finally call you out. Yep. They, I think they like the, the fact that they can. So, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, which mistakes are you referring to today? Which mistakes? Well, there was the one time... Someone brought this up to me recently, even though there was this episode was like from three months ago, when we made a mistake about how you do type specs for maps, like required keys and optional keys in maps. I thought you like put a, a, a bit at the beginning of the episode that corrected that, or we did it in the subsequent episode or something, right? Yes, we uh, published a retraction, which I think was how it was described to me. <laughs> yeah, did you publish a retraction? It's like, oh man, I guess so. Wow, we we just got owned. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, despite our mistakes, and we appreciate the fact that you stick with us through the the good times and the bad. And, uh, you know, we are, we are only human. <laughs> I think you're human anyway. Is this one of the good times or one of the bad times? I don't know. We'll just have to like, we'll just have to keep going down that road and see where it goes. All right. Well, join us in our adventure as we keep elixir in and keep blowing it. Keeping the elixiring going continuously. So there we go. So what's 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 new? What's been going on in the world of Desmondo? Well, the big news is that we just got back from ElixirConf last week. Nice. In uh, how was Bellevue? Bellevue, Washington. Washington. It was uh, pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bellevue's a suburb, and um, it is what it is. The weather was quite nice, though. Very cool. Did you? Uh, I mean, you hosted an after party as well. Is that right? Yeah, we had an MPEX after party at uh, the Shorty's Pinball Bar in Seattle on Friday. And that was cool. We had about 30, 40 people show up. Whoa, that's better than last year. Yeah. Um, I think it was 30, 40, 30 or 40 people. We filled out the small like back bar that they had. Hmm. Um, I'm not very good at counting numbers, but it was full. And I think we went through the bar tab a lot faster than we did last year. Very good. And was there fun had by all? Well, there was fun had by me. <laughs> That's the thing that matters. I mean, you were paying the bar tab, so as long as you had fun. <laughs> Other people looked like they were having fun. Oh, that's always good. You Definitely. Know. Oh, cool. And, uh, I mean, I wasn't there, but uh, I, I saw on Twitter it looked good. And I, I've been reading some of the, the aftermath and uh, some of the things that happened. So, I would love to hear some of your thoughts. Uh, your thoughts meaning Desmond's thoughts or audience thoughts? No, yours. Sorry. So just disambiguate there, like Desmond's thoughts. Desmond's thoughts. So, uh, well, first of all, it was great to see people. I talked to Paul Schoenfelder quite a bit, uh, who was on the podcast a few episodes ago. He's a cool guy, super useful. Chatted with Jose a little bit and James Fish a little bit. And a couple of other our friends who have um, shown up at MPEX conferences before. Chatted with a few people who we hope to have on the show soon. So I don't want to give that away, but stay tuned for hopefully a couple of fun guests who know things that we don't, which is a lot. And maybe can teach you some of those things. 
And yeah, I met up with a couple of Elixir Talk fans. It was great to chat with you all, get feedback about the show. Uh, one of the things they told us was that the show could be shorter, which could mean either that they're tired of hearing us going on or just that they have things to do. So um, you know, they said about 20, 25 minutes was a sweet spot. We will endeavor to do that. Yeah, unless, of course, the mood strikes us, in which case we will soliloquize as long as is necessary. <laughs> Good word. It's not really a soliloquy because we're talking to each other. Anyway, oh, <laughs> anyway, it was it was great to meet everyone. And, of course, a couple of people from uh, my team were out there. And uh, we enjoyed meeting with a bunch of folks, particularly a bunch of the engineers at Weedmaps who are uh, a lot of cool people. So that was cool because they're doing a lot of interesting stuff with Elixir. And I want to take this time, actually, at the top of this to thank the people that sponsored ElixirConf. Um, because even though they didn't put money in our pockets, Chris and I put on a conference, MPEX, and we know firsthand how important it is that sponsors get involved. Without sponsors, conferences wouldn't happen. So as a uh, fellow conferencer, I wanted to extend my thanks to uh, the sponsors of ElixirConf, the Platinum Sponsors, Dockyard, POA, Platforma Tech, and Weedmaps. As well as the gold sponsors, Simple Labs, Hash Rockets, and Erlang Solutions, the lanyard sponsor, Telnix, and the champion sponsors, Carbon 5, Gaslight, and ArcBlock. I'm guessing you didn't remember all of that. You just read it off the website, right? Yes. I'm like giving the game away. <laughs> I'm reading it off a website. <laughs> nice. But yeah, Desmond's right. Like, the, you know, a lot goes into the conference and a lot, you know, you need the organizers, but you also, we need the monies most of the time as well and uh obviously ticket ticket money goes so far but um there's a lot of expenses and i can't even imagine putting on a conference as big as ElixirConf. and i'm glad that we don't have to to be honest mm -hmm. uh although maybe one day mpex will grow into such a a large beautiful conference so will it grow or will it metastasize oh wow here we go everyone <laughs> it's have you been doing a crossword or something no man i just you know when i'm i talking to you your british accent makes me feel more literate nice i'm i'm not i'm not so <laughs> i don't know, I don't know what else to say there anyway uh i did just want to uh thank the sponsors one more time for being involved um your contributions to the community make a lot of this possible so be sure to check them out anyway so tell us what was what was good what wasn't bad so well, I'm sure everything was good, first of all. I'm going to jump right into it. I think the coolest thing was in Chris McCord's keynote, where he talked about the new LiveView library that is not going to be a part of Phoenix, but it's very closely tied to Phoenix. And it's a way to have like functional reactive web programming on the server. And it's meant to sort of replace a lot of what React does uh, or other JavaScript frameworks that handle events, uh, maybe they're, you know, you're building out a rich client-side application, you're performing validation logic on the server and, or validation logic on the client, you send it back to the server, it runs it again, because, of course, and you end up with two of these applications. And so what this library proposes is you essentially add some data tags to your DOM around, like, event handlers, or when this key up changes, send this message down the WebSocket, and then you write um, socket handlers in your uh, in your Phoenix channel 
to respond to these events and they will you can pattern match on uh what is it handle info it's been a while since i've written a channel handle info and then that message that was passed up and any data that should be passed in so that data could be a form from or data from the form that a user is filling out or some other part of the dom and what's cool about it is it lets you handle all of that on the server you get to write your logic in elixir you're storing the state of that kind of front end component on your gen server and then you push at push back out down the websocket the html that you want rendered so then you get to use sweet eex to build out your uh, partials. I can understand where this is coming from. This is kind of like just a hyped up PJAX, isn't it? The important thing is we can finally get rid of all that pesky JavaScript. I Yeah, that's honestly how I feel about a lot of these approaches. Like, I, I'm pretty sure like people tried to do this in the Rails world for a while, right? Like, um, which, which is what I was talking about with the PJAX stuff. And I can't remember what they call it anymore, but like, I think the souped up PJAX basically does renders the the partial on the on the server and then pushes it over. But I think they're doing it over HTTP rather than a WebSocket. But um, same principle, right? You also, when you do it this way, you get the benefit of having all of your state in your Gen server. So mm. you're not dealing with these stateless requests. You get the benefit of having uh, kind of that rich like client client situation on the server as opposed to. I don't know. I, I always felt I didn't do a lot with PJAX, but it always felt a little like it's not really a real web request, but it's handled in kind of the same way, mm-hmm. like through the controllers. So that always felt more awkward to me. I so I have a problem with this in that I don't think that this is going to be like the magic thing that makes Phoenix like suddenly explode in popularity and everyone's like, now this is how we must write our applications, you know? I I think like this is a nice to have, but like I'm sure a bunch of time is going to be sunk into like building this thing when, I don't know, I don't think JavaScript is that bad, controversial opinion. So you would you know? prefer to people sink their time into writing JavaScript applications? Honestly, like I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I feel like, I feel like that ship kind of sailed, and we, and we've like, we've done that, and we've committed to it, and like that's the thing that we do in the browser, and it's okay. I don't agree with that. <laughs> you don't. You can sail on your JavaScript ship, and I will wait for the better ship to be built, and I will sail on that. Because um, it does make you know things like it makes. Um, there's a very cool part of the talk where he shows form validation that happens on key up and it's so dynamic and the and it leverages the change sets that you have to write anyway and the fact that you don't have to do client side and server side validation one makes it a lot simpler two it's just as performant and three i said simpler but it's also easy like you can do this stuff in just a couple of lines of code of elixir code instead of attaching a lot of handlers uh, to these elements of JavaScript, writing Ajax requests, mm-hmm. replacing elements. No, I can see that being really useful. I can like, I just think that there's like a time and a place for server rendered apps and there's like certain things where there's, that's a good fit. And even with this, there's certain things that, that makes it a good fit. There's probably still very highly interactive browser-based apps that this wouldn't be a good fit for, right? Like 
And I'm sure like in the CRUD form example, like, yes, you can get a more interactive feeling app using it. I just like, that's my point is like, I don't think that this is like, I, I, I can see it work for a, a few situations, but I just can't see it being like the thing, you know? Is anything the thing? Yeah, I'm like, I'm pretty okay with React at this point, to be honest. But I don't know. I like, I, I, I get the use case for it. I'm just, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we just got to suck it up and write some JavaScript, Desmond. No, man, I don't agree with that attitude. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm on board with the idea that certain experiences require very sophisticated tools. Yes. I'm on board with that. So the browser app that we work on is absolutely that. You could not do that with the approach that we're talking about here. No way. Just straight up, like, we represent, like, a file system in the browser. And it's very, very dynamic, very interactive. Ton of different things going on. Ton of client-side routing. Like, it's a heavyweight JavaScript app. Necessarily so, you know? But we do have tools on the back end where I could see this being really useful, like... We have a tool that's effectively a CRUD app where, you know what, I keep thinking like, oh, it'd be really good if we could sprinkle some JavaScript in here to make this thing nicer, right? And now I have a route to like not have to do that and it's already a Phoenix app. I mean, to me, the the silver bullet isn't the right word. To me, the, uh, I'll call it the big wave because my brain went to surfing. The big wave about this is since most of us are working on CRUD-y type stuff, you can make them real time for free. And this to me has always been the potential of Phoenix is that if I'm looking at something, maybe it's GitHub, which is largely a CRUD app. I mean, yeah, there's stuff going on in the back end, but you're generally updating your repo, you're creating pull requests, you're adding comments. And it, if it can be extremely easy to add real-time stuff to these applications so that anyone looking at something automatically sees updates, I think I've mentioned this before, it's amazing how quickly people get used to that user experience. And then going back to a situation where you have to refresh a page feels unbearably clunky and archaic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I completely agree. I would yeah. like to see us using these tools, like if they're super easy, just use them out of the box and then, okay, if you have to upgrade your tooling for some expanded experience, like, okay, sure. But I think the baseline should be all Phoenix apps are just always real-time. And uh-huh. there were a couple talks at ElixirConf about UX for real-time experiences and some things to think about. And one of the things that they said was just that. Once you're used to having stuff update in real-time, you go to another web page and you're just kind of staring at it. I think they use the example of GitHub where you create a repo uh, from scratch, and you're looking at sort of a bare, like, here's a repo screen before you've pushed it. And then you push your existing repo up, and you're sort of waiting for the page to be like, okay, got it. Now here's your here's your repository and whatever. It doesn't happen. You have to refresh the page to show that you've pushed up your first commit or whatever. And they were like, I was just staring at the screen for like two minutes before I realized that I had to do something. And we should... That should be the hallmark of Phoenix apps is you don't have to do that. And then every other app seems clunky, even the simple stuff, particularly the simple stuff. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Real time is a great pattern. And like the more apps that leverage it, the more it feels like a like a more native kind of experience. Right. You don't sound as excited about this as I am. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I mean, we have a. Uh, I guess we we have um, at frame. We have like a mantra, which is anything that sh- could be real time should be real time. And yes, sometimes the devs hate doing that, but like ultimately, like we rely heavily on real time and web sockets to achieve that. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's awesome. It's great, but. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I agree with you. I just don't know if, if, like, live view is the right way to do that. I'm not sure. Um, I guess you get some nice, like, server-side rendering benefits, which is cool because, you know what, doing that in, uh, in React is still really, can be really, really, bra- uh, CPU intensive. So, yeah. Another nice thing they demonstrated is that it scales out pretty well. Like, uh, they were testing something where, I link to it. You should watch the talk. But they basically render like a spinning spiral uh, that's composed of eighty or so divs, and they're changing colors, so it looks like this rainbow spiral. And they're pushing out changes to these eighty divs at I think sixty frames a second over WebSockets. And they tested this from Chris's laptop uh, with Jose, who is in Poland, tunneling into Chris's local host. Uh, I think Chris lives on the east coast of the United States, and it was totally fast enough and that's you know just more like benefits of elixir is that yeah we can support a bunch of users on this and yeah like it's totally fast enough and i don't know how much of that is due to the diminished overhead of web sockets versus many http requests or what but uh in case anyone was concerned about well how does this scale out like that's not a problem Hmm. no i can see that i mean like we all know that doing eex and uh, like rendering on, on phoenix is insanely fast anyway right because of a lot of the optimizations they've been doing um do, like those views have always felt insanely fast so i can see how like leveraging that and doing server rendering over a web socket and then pushing those updated views can be like very very quick so yeah and i think part of the point is that that's a viable option now like mm-hmm. our system is fast enough and this is i think one question that he raised is like What's fast enough? Is anything ever fast enough? And sometimes <laughs> things are fast enough, but if your thing is super fast, it enables some of these other techniques. Mm. So one question I have, like I'm just skimming through the talk. So full caveat, haven't watched the talk yet. Um, like, do you, I guess, can you still get reuse out of... Oh, actually, I just answered my own question by skipping to another slide. I was going to say, in your live view, can you? I, I see a lot of like HTML in there. But if I already have that in, an, in another HTML like EEX file, can I can I still get reuse out of that? But it looks like you can just it's a function, so I guess you can just call it. Yeah, in his slides, he puts raw HTML in his handlers. Yeah, or raw EEX, um, and that was just for demonstration purposes. Like you could very easily render a Phoenix template. From yeah, there. I see they have like a def render assigned, and then you can just call a a, a view. Yeah, and I think in a production app, you would want to put all that stuff in proper templates. Right, and then you can get a ton of reuse. I could see that being great. Yeah. So yeah. I, he, just, he just inlined those strings, basically, in the handlers for, I think, slideshow purposes. Mm-hmm. I would still... I, I, like, I, I still stand by my point. I think there's a certain category of application that this could be really good for. Um. And I still think there's, you know, there's, there's obviously going to be other apps where this isn't that useful or, you know, 
you've hit the limit and there's other ways to do it that might be better. So, Chris stepping up with the controversial opinion that different <laughs> tools are good for different jobs. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that as I was saying it. It's like, <laughs> yes, there's always space for more than one thing. Um, and yes. But, I mean, it's cool to see them, you know, you've got, I, I guess like the point is, is like Phoenix has got this great infrastructure underneath of it, right? And they're just like leveraging it, leveraging it to do different things. And like views render really fast and you've already got like gen server-based socket connections so we can utilize those to do more stateful things. And this makes sense. Yeah, and being able on the server to understand the state of the client's application, I think also makes analytics very interesting. Um, because you, you know, if you're trying to see just what a user is doing, what exactly did they type in before they got to the right answer? Like you could use that for UX research around, oh, well, they keep putting the wrong thing into this one field. Maybe we should think about how we're presenting the field or our instructions. You can also open the observer and see how many people are filling out a form right now <laughs> or something like what page That's is everyone on? Uh, an out there idea i like it so what else was good desmond what else did you see that you were like yes so jose had an interesting comment in his talk which was largely about the next five years of elixir and it's funny because most of the talk was about like the last five years but then the next five years was sort of like well i don't know it's it's kind of up to you all and I was chatting with him about it a little, and I think his point is that the language itself is fairly complete, and there's not a lot that needs to be added to the language, like where the room for growth is, or his goal was to build an extensible language that you would add on top of, because putting things into the language is expensive in terms of maintenance, mostly. It's easy to add things, it's very difficult to get rid of them once they're there. So his philosophy was always, only put things in the language that are absolutely required. Everything else should be an add-on. And to support that, we want to make the language as extensive, as extensible as possible. And he feels like he's getting pretty close to that. So he put it to us, to the rest of the community, to come up with use cases for Elixir. I mean, the Phoenix is a great example of, okay, well, let's apply this language to a certain domain. So Phoenix is Elixir for the web. Nerves is Phoenix for embedded projects. Uh, they announced another project whose name I'm spacing on right now. That's a um, video processing framework oh. using Elixir. Uh, Boyd Malter has written a UI framework called Scenic. Which yeah, looks that looks really cool. cool. I saw the demo of that. It looks amazing. Yeah. I, I don't even know how that works. I want to dig into it. <laughs> yeah, that's super promising. And uh, Jose's, I think, very valid point is he, as the language creator, doesn't really know what we're using it for. He can't know every possible application of it. Only we can know what our applications are. So it's up to us to see, well, does this platform, do the benefits of this platform give me the leverage I need to work well in this domain? And if so, how can I build a framework? How can I build libraries? How can I build an ecosystem around that? Nice. Yeah, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like understanding what people are doing with this tool, this very powerful thing. And then using that to help drive it. It's, it makes tons of sense. So, I mean, do you feel like the language is missing anything? 
like no not really i also feel that about phoenix as well I'm like we're running it in production and like i never think like oh if only it had this thing you know like ecto sure a couple of rough edges from time to time but like largely like we're able to do our job and like it's a very stable reliable set of tools where you know i think like i think the point is here is like it's reaching maturity right like or it has reached maturity and that's that's awesome Mm -hmm. and like that's so cool as an ecosystem that we're there already and we can rely on these tools and like build on top of it and keep leveraging the power underneath for more and more use cases I mean, it's there. It's 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 cool to reach maturity, but it's also a little anticlimactic. <laughs> you know, contrast yeah, with yeah, like yeah. JavaScript, where it's like, and now there's this, and now there's that, and now there's this, and it's sort of you know, it's like, oh cool, oh cool, oh cool. You're kind of bouncing around with this constant, you know, this year's model, and it's exciting. I think it's also exhausting. <laughs> And I mean, I'm cool with something mature, but I do think it takes a certain, a certain mindset to be happy with that and to be comfortable with, no, this thing is, it is stable. Not a lot's going to be added and that's fine. Like we don't need that constant excitement and new things. Like Mm -hmm. it's not up to them to provide uh, those shiny objects in our lives. Yeah. I mean, look at Ruby, right? Like I I, I don't even know what's changing like Ruby between like two I don't know, even like 1.9 and like 2.2, except for some like nice, nice like additions to the, to the language, like syntactic sugar, but like the garbage collector like, got better. Right. But that, that's like focusing on, I guess it's like focusing under the hood. At some point, like the core, like the core of the language should be like, it should have enough within it that you can just leverage it to keep building and building on top of it. Right. Like, and the core stays very stable. And then what you do is like, with, like with any public-facing API, start replacing the internals and make you know make a better experience, constantly make things faster. Like, and I I feel like that that's good. It's really good that we've got here with this community already. So Didn't I'm I'm encouraged, long. and I yeah I think this is cool. I I feel I feel good about it. I feel good about where the ecosystem is, and I feel good at, like every time I see one of these like. ElixirConf talks and like we see all these like cool things that are coming out of the community I'm always like you know this is where I get excited not necessarily about the language itself but about all of the things coming out around it like sweet podcasts like sweet podcasts (laughs) and uh, Phoenix telemetry and you know something that I am actually excited about with the new version of Phoenix 1.4 HTTP2 support because fuck yes excited about that Going to get some wins. So, yeah. And also, like, a ton of browsers support HTTP2 now, including, like, uh, like iOS has supported it since iOS 9 or 10, I think. So, you can get some wins out of that as well. What's a couple of the wins that we're going to get out of that? Basically, we are able to keep a connection open and not have to do an HTTPS handshake. So, you can get faster. You can basically remove that whole step. So, Connection can stay open. You can keep sending things over it. All of that's built in. Um, you also get some nice things like client-side hints to tell it, and you can push stuff from the server back to the client as well, which is cool. Um, there's some... Uh, I mean, if you haven't looked into HTTP2 yet, it's well worth a look. I'm probably doing a horrible job of the overview right this second, but um, we should link to some things in the show notes. I think uh, this is one of those low moments we were talking about earlier. <laughs> 
yeah, when I realized like I know the very surface level things that I'm interested in HTTP2 and like no, not that much else. But I know from us, like from our side, um, we can definitely get benefits where we're making tons and tons of like small, short lived like API requests where we're requesting lots of small pieces of data. Um, we can basically remove some of the handshake costs from each one of those requests. Cool. I mean, I don't think we need to do a deep dive on HTTP2. Like, uh... We can, yeah, we can skip that subject. That's always good. Cool. Yeah. Well, in the interest of keeping our podcast shorter. Trying to wrap it up? I'm trying to wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go back and watch that live view talk and then not speak out my ass about uh about it and then i'm i'm encouraged i'm not excited but i can see where it could be useful so it's pretty cool man i'd recommend it and uh all the talks the elixir conf talks are up now so any of you that want to check them out they uh i believe are on the website you can find them on google but they're up they're cool check it out let us know what you think Cool. Yeah. And we will endeavor to get back into our regular routine of recording. We missed a week last week. No, we didn't. We didn't? No, we had we had an episode saved up. Uh, we had an episode in the bank, folks. That's, That's what right. we didn't even know. But now we've revealed the secret source. So <laughs> now you're seeing how the sausage is made over here. This is another of our low moments. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, on that note. Before it gets um, worse. Before it gets worse. It always gets worse. Um <laughs> Please, please tell your friends, rate us on wherever you get your podcasts these days. Um, if you have any questions or feedback about the show, get in touch, touch with us. You can hit us up on GitHub um, and you can open up an issue, which is github.com slash elixitalk slash elixitalk. You can find us on Twitter at elixitalk, or you can get in touch with us via our website, at, uh, which is www.elixitalk.com. Cool. And until next time, as always, keep elixiring. Keep elixiring.